Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Before we get going into this morning's message, I have a couple of things I want to make you aware of. The first is that friends of ours are planting a church this morning, so uh, here's the logo for the church. It's Ridgeview Church in uh, North Fontana. That's a uh, right now. It's it's mainly just new construction. A lot of just new homes being built north of the 210. And uh, some friends of ours, uh, Pastor Alex Barrett, is uh, the lead pastor there, planting the church. And they have been sent out from Church in the Valley in uh, now Ontario Ranch, but. Uh, church in the Valley is the same church that sent us to start this church uh, 11 years ago. And so when we came to start this church, there was seven of us adults and our five kids. And for Ridgeview Church, they're sending out a team of eight and I think six kids. And so uh, to this morning, we've sent them about 20 uh, people from our church. And so we've sent about 20 to help uh, pull off their, their uh, preview services. And so uh, we've got... Bryce Burdett, he's leading their worship, and he's assembled a team to lead the worship there. And so there's a number that are helping with worship this morning. In fact, Cody uh, is playing lead guitar there and helping. We've sent a drummer and, and singers, and then we've sent people to help with setup and teardown and, and uh, kids' own classes and just to be a support to them. And so it's really exciting for us uh, to see this church get uh, uh, off the ground. Uh, Pastor Alex, he preached here in the fall for me, and, and we actually as a church uh, gave in a major way to help the church get started. We gave a portion of our Christmas offering to their church plant. And so their service is at 11 a.m. this morning. And so pray for that. They're going to be having a monthly preview service until February. They'll, they'll have a grand opening in February and begin weekly services. Uh, second thing is that the elections are, c- are coming up on November the 6th. And so Tuesday, November the 6th, Elections are important, and so here's some ways to prepare. The first is to pray. Uh, begin praying. Pray, pray now. Pray for our country. If you don't pray regularly for our country, our state leaders, uh, pray for the upcoming election. Pray that uh, the leaders that are elected officials would be filled with God's wisdom to know how to lead in a way that's pleasing to Him and stand up for what is right. Uh, second, register to vote. Uh, maybe you've never voted in an election before, and so the ability that we have to vote it really is a blessing. Not everybody has that around the world. So it's a blessing to have that ability, but it's also a stewardship. And so Proverbs 11, verse 11, it, it reads this. It says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Uh, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. And so it's, it's really a blessing. And, it, and to exercise that stewardship and the right, you have to be a registered voter. And so in order to participate in the elections, you've got to be registered. And so uh, to help with that, we have voter registration cards available at our guest and information table. And if you are not a registered voter, uh, and I, I would imagine some of you have never voted before, maybe you've not even been old enough to vote before, so this might be the first election you could vote in, uh, stop by, fill out a registration card, and we will mail that for you tomorrow uh, tomorrow is actually the postmark deadline. So we'll provide the card and the stamp. You just put your information on it, and then you'll be registered to vote. Tomorrow, again, this is the deadline to get postmarked for that. And then third, become informed. 
to make a wise decision on election day, you've got to actually know ahead of time and be prepared on the issues and the candidates. And so Proverbs 24, verse 5 says that a man has great power and a man of great knowledge increases strength. And so the idea here is that you need to, we need to grow in our understanding of what the issues are uh, and what the candidates stand for. And to learn more about that, you kind of need to do some investigation. You want to pay attention to the past uh, behavior of the candidates. What have they stood for in the past? Uh, what, what have they voted for in the past? You can actually find those things out. Uh, past behavior is often the best indicator of future behavior. And so uh, we just encourage you to get informed. And then finally, uh, on November 6th, to vote. Vote. Ask God to help you cast your vote. After evaluating the candidates, after evaluating the issues on the basis of God's word, and just really encourage you to be active in, in participating in this. So let's pray uh, for the election, also for the church that's getting started this morning in, in North Montana. Father, we just bring these things to you. We thank you for <clears throat> an opportunity to participate in elections and pray that we would understand the issues that are uh, being voted on this year and the candidates. Uh, Help us to uh, play a part in that and to trust you, God, knowing that you're uh, sovereign and and you're at work. And, Lord, we we just pray that we would uh, understand, Father, the the ways that we uh, can uh, and that you've invited us to participate. Prayer is one of those major ways we can pray for our leaders. And so I pray that we would exercise that faithfully and also that we would engage in... uh, uh, understanding the issues and we just lift up the election we lift up the state and the county that we're in our city we pray that you would be pleased God with uh, our involvement Lord as you see our interaction in this way and we trust you Father with the outcome ahead of time <clears throat> Father we also lift up the uh, church that's being started in North Montana uh, Ridgeview Church we pray that you would really work uh, and draw people uh, to attend that service at 11 today and that you would really clear a path for people to show up, people in that community who have been receiving invitations on their, in their mailbox or on their doors or personal invites or have attended events. Lord, I pray that you would really use this uh, to get uh, energy and momentum going for that new church, Lord, that they could uh, be a, a bring light and hope, Father, to that community. We just pray for strength and energy for Pastor Alex Barrett today and for his team, protection over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're wrapping up this series, and we're all of the series or all of this uh, messages from this series are on our website. So if you missed any of them, I'd invite you to check that out. I've been flooded with kind of life hack emails since we started this series. People sending me more and more ideas. I just can't show you all of them, but there's some really good ones. Like if you're trying to figure out if a snake is going to kill you or if you should play with it. You know, Google search that thing. You know, you, <clears throat> is it a king snake or a coral snake? That's important to know because one will kill you and one you can play with, I guess. You know, uh, I don't play with snakes personally. I've been bit by a snake that wasn't supposed to bite. <laughs> so it wasn't poisonous, thankfully. But the owner said, I don't think there's poison, but we should probably, you know, double check. <laughs> Or like if you're buying a used car. Someone sent me some stuff about how to buy used cars and some tips. And, and so you can search all those things. Here's a couple others that, uh, a few life hacks related to working hard. Uh, if you can find ways to cut the work in half, it's really great. So if you've got permanent marker, 
on something and you're trying to figure out how to remove permanent marker from everything. From clothes, you use hand sanitizer. From walls, use toothpaste or hairspray. From wood, use rubbing alcohol. From carpet, use white vinegar. Furniture, use milk. From whiteboard, use dry erase marker or pencil rubber eraser. And from ceramic or glass, use one part toothpaste with one part baking soda. Helpful to know these things, right? If you got permanent marker, Sharpie on something, you'll work extra hard if you got the wrong thing. You might actually destroy the object trying to get it out. Sorry about the echo. I'm getting a lot of echo. A lot of feedback. I think it might be from the guitar. <clears throat> Quiet down. <clears throat> Here's another thing. If you're trying to remove stains, for, like grass stain, you can't see it all that well, so just run it through. Grass stain, you remove it with vinegar. Red wine, you remove it with white wine. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Grease, you remove it with soda. Now, I thought soda stained too, so what do you remove the soda with? But Maybe it's the club soda. Okay. Uh, blood, hydrogen peroxide. Oil, white chalk. Coffee, baking soda. That's helpful. I spill coffee myself a lot. Uh, deodorant. Denim. Huh. Uh, sweat, <laughs> lemon juice, lipstick, baby wipes, ink, milk, and makeup shaving cream. There you go. Just hacked your stains for you. <clears throat> it's helpful to know because, you know, if you're using the wrong thing, you'll be out there for a long time. I was trying to remove red paint when I crashed my car from my beige truck. And I was, it didn't dent it enough to where I needed to take it in, but I had all this paint on it. So I had to sit out there for hours with, I'm just soap and water. You know, knucklehead here. I'm like, there's probably some other solution that could get this done faster, but it didn't. You know, it just took me forever. So it would have been nice to know what the life hack was on that. But cutting the work in half really matters to us, doesn't it? I mean, if you could find the right solution, you do it in minutes or seconds, I'd be, that would be brilliant. Now you might be, Trying to activate some of God's life hacks in your life. We've talked about fearing Him, trusting Him, teachability, humility, and patience. And it could be that you're doing those things, but maybe still, you're working really hard at those things even, but maybe something is still missing in your life. You feel like there's something not right, there's something missing. And today I want to look at the invitation that Jesus gives to experience the ultimate hack. And so we're going to flip from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the book of Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus gives an invitation. This might be a very familiar passage of Scripture. Some very familiar verses for some, or maybe for you it might be the first time you've heard these. But he shared these words with a large crowd of people in a, in a region called Galilee. And Galilee was a very hardworking, self-sufficient, pretty prosperous region. It's much like Southern California. Here in Southern California, people, they work hard, they play hard, they buy their things, they enjoy their things. They love their lifestyles. In Galilee, it was pretty much very similar. They had a lot on the outside physically. It looked good on the outside. But inside, people were very, very exhausted emotionally and spiritually. And so Jesus, he gives this invitation to this pretty self-sufficient group of people. And here it is, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He says to this crowd, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. <clears throat> so here's the ultimate hack. 
It begins with this. It's an invitation. It begins with this. It's, it's come to Jesus. That's the first thing. Come to Jesus. If you're looking for the ultimate life hack, this is it. Starts with coming to Jesus. So he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't give them a list of do's or don'ts. He doesn't give them a bunch of tips or shortcuts. Jesus offers to them a relationship. He, he says, come to me. And the invitation was to those that are weary and burdened. If you put those two ideas of being weary and burdened, and you put them together, it really equals the idea of desperation. When you're weary and burdened, you're pretty desperate. And so Jesus is like, are you on the edge? Are you empty today? Jesus invites all of you who are exhausted from life and says, if you're in need of rest, then come to me. It's amazing how many things we are willing to run to instead of him, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing how many things we'll run to. We run to all sorts of things, don't we, in life? When we're stressed out and depressed and overwhelmed or or when we're really tired or frustrated. And Jesus says, look, if that's you, come to me. And key point of clarification on what he's saying here. He's not talking about coming to religion. He's not talking about going to church. Sometimes we tend to confuse coming to Jesus with coming to church or coming to religion. But there's, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Sometimes I'll, I'll meet people and they'll, they'll learn that I'm a pastor and we go through, what do you do for a living? And once they find out I'm a pastor, oh, you're a pastor. You know, I did that church thing for a while. I tried that. I've had this conversation over and over in my life. I tried that. You know, there was a time people would describe, there was a time for me when I was going some, through something really, really hard, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go to church. And I did that for a while. You know what? It really didn't help. I tried religion, and it didn't work. And honestly, I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised, because the passage here doesn't say, come to religion. It doesn't say, all you who are weary and burdened, come to church. Jesus says, come to, come to me. You know, sadly, it's, it's very possible to grow up in a church, in this church, in other churches, that are teaching God's Word from the Bible. It's, it's very possible to attend church for a very long time and not ever come to Jesus. And I wish this weren't the case. I mean, I wish that people, I mean, I've met people through the years who've come through our doors and been a part of our church for a given period of time. They've gotten involved. They sing, you know, just like, you know, in worship today. They, they hear God's Word being taught but still they, they leave unchanged because they came to church, but they didn't come to Jesus. They never really came to Him. So coming to Jesus or coming, coming to church won't address your weariness. It won't address your burdens. There's only one person who can do that. You, know, you, you, can, you can meet Jesus and really come to Him outside of these church walls, out of this building. You can meet Jesus on the side of a road. You can meet Him in a locker room. You can meet Him in a park. You can come to meet Him for the first time uh, in the mountains, in your, in your bedroom. Uh, well, there was one guy, when I asked him, how did you come to know Christ? He was a person, this is a few years back, he'd become a Christian, and he'd uh, get involved in our church. And I was doing a, a conversation with him. He was becoming a member of our church, and I asked him to tell me his story of how he came to know Christ. He said he was just so frustrated at one point. And he just knew he was resisting coming to Jesus personally. He said he was on the 215, he was heading south, and he pulled off the side of the road, and he's like, he threw his hands up, I'm yours. He says, I'm yours. I give up. Like, I'm done fighting 
trying to lead my life and take control of my life. You know, you can, you can come to Jesus outside of church. Parents get real concerned with this issue of church and religion. Got to get my kids to church. I got to keep my kids in church. And a lot of church, the sad thing is a lot of church going kids and teens, they hit their college years and they never return to church. And parents, they start scratching their heads and say, what happened? They were, I raised them in church. What happened? Well, maybe they never came to know Jesus personally. They went to a place, but they never actually met Jesus. And so this idea of come, it implies I'm putting my life into his hands. I'm putting my life into Jesus' hands. I'm bringing my whole life to him and I'm giving him my very life. And there's now a closeness and a relationship. I'm coming to you, Jesus. And so he, he makes this invitation for all you who are weary and burdened. And sometimes we read that and we're not really sure if that's, if I'm included in that invitation. Like, does that mean me? He says all you, but am I good enough to receive him? I mean, I've done, so, I, you might think, I've done so much wrong in my life, and, and now the effects of my sin are showing up. And I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm carrying a lot of baggage for consequences. Does this really include me? And so for those of you who don't come to Jesus because you don't think you deserve it, I mean, let's face it, you don't deserve it. None of us do. No, not a single person in this room deserves this, to come to Jesus you don't deserve that invitation because of the lives we've lived, the way we've all chosen to go our own way. Not a single one of us have been able to get it right in life. We've all chosen to live life independently. We all have our own flavor of the way we rebel against God and His plan. But not a single one of us deserve it. So we don't come to Him because we're deserving or undeserving of God's mercy. But still, Jesus makes this invitation he just makes it available. He says, come to me. I will give you, I'll give you rest. And this is much deeper than just physical rest. You know, your greatest problem in life is not that your muscles are overloaded. It's, it's that you're overloaded in your mind. It's that you're overloaded in your emotions. It's that you're overloaded in your soul. Your, your spirit is overloaded. You need soul rest. And that's, that's far more than physical rest. We need release from worry and guilt and fear and bitterness and anxiety. And, and if you can experience freedom from that, then that's real rest. And that's what Jesus is making available. And so right now, where are you turning? Where are you turning when you're exhausted and you're depleted and overwhelmed? Maybe you're turning to food. And, or maybe you're turning to entertainment. Sometimes I think, I just need a good laugh. I'm so stressed. You ever thought, that? I just need a good comedy right now. I need a really good laugh. Or I just need another trip. Or I need another vacation. I need to get away. Or maybe right now you're turning to a pill or to a drink or, or to another person, like to a relationship. I just need the right girl. I need the right guy. And But here you are again. You're just empty. And you're used up again. And you're feeling burdened. And you can turn to all sorts of things just like... 2,000 years ago, when Jesus is giving this message to that crowd of people, they, they can identify with what we are feeling about the tension we face internally. 
You can turn all sorts of things, but none of those things will give your soul rest. Only Jesus can actually give you the rest that your soul needs. So the answer for all of our overload is a person. And this is exactly the opposite of what the world offers or what even religion would say. That when you're empty on the inside, religion would say, do more. You need to do more. You need to do these things and stop doing these things. In fact... The people who originally heard these words from Jesus, they had these huge religious demands placed on them that they couldn't fulfill. That they were exhausted at trying to keep up with. The, the Jews of those days, they were, you know, they were so focused on getting it right. When do I worship? Where should I worship? What's the right way to worship? Trying to keep all of God's laws. And then on top of that, there were the religious leaders that were placing additional laws on top of God's laws and so they're trying to pull off all of these things and these people were completely weighed down and they just couldn't pull it off. And then Jesus said, it's not do more, it's, it's actually just come to me. No other qualification, come to me. I'll give you rest. That's the first step. So have you ever done that? That's the question. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that in the way that I'm describing, I'd just love to invite you to come to him today. At the end of our service, I'm going to share how to do that, and I'll give you an opportunity to do that and pray and respond to God and really nail that issue down. But if, you have, if you've already come to Jesus and you, you've, you've come to Him before, but you've slowly wandered off the path and you've, be, you've been doing things on your own and running all over the place looking to deal with your weariness and burdens, and maybe today it's just, uh, I need to return back to Him. Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe... Maybe you're already walking very closely with Jesus. You're in close fellowship with Him. And, and you're relating to people with heavy burdens. And you're trying to fix their burdens. You're trying to be the person that has all the answers. And you're placing this weight on your shoulders to be Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It. And maybe this morning, the reminder from this passage is just to invite those people in your life who are weary and burdened to come to Jesus and just say, you know what, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm going to try to be a help, but I want to point you to the one who has the answers. I'm going to offer this relationship to you. He's the answer. So that's the first part of this invitation. The second part of the invitation that he gives is this. It's give up control. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Now, the reason... We get so tired and overloaded is because we think we have to be in control of pretty much everything in life. And we, we get awfully stressed about this. We think it all depends on me. I've got to pull all the strings. I've got to make it happen in life. I've got to be in control. But you know what? That's a terrible and miserable way to live your life. So it stresses us out. We need to release control. And so first we come to him and then next we need to give control over to him. And so he says this, take my yoke upon you. Now you say, wait a second, what's Jesus doing here? <clears throat> that, sounds like, that sounds like he's adding more weight to my life. He's, he's putting a yoke on me? That sounds like more of a burden. I'm already carrying quite a bit. So we need to understand, what does this word yoke mean? What is the, the idea? So a yoke is this, it's a wooden, it's a wooden beam that attaches two farm animals together in order to lighten the load. That's what a yoke is. A yoke is not a harness. A harness is something you put on a single ox or a single horse or cow in order to pull the thing along. This is different. 
A yoke is made, it's, it's an object that is used to make something easier by the two animals doing this together. And so the load is being shared and the light, the load is, is lighter because of it. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And why does he use that symbol? First, a yoke is a symbol of, of partnership. You see the, the imagery here. It's a symbol of partnership. The two of you are now working on this together, not just the single one. So Jesus is saying, look, I will help you. Come to me. I, you give me control. You put my yoke upon you. I will help you with your problems. I will help carry your load in life. He doesn't add to your load. He says, I'll share your load. It's, like a, it's really like a partnership. He's, he's helping carry part of your load. That gives us major support. Look at Psalm 55. <clears throat> it says, cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. So Jesus is saying, look, join up with me, connect with me, put on my yoke, and I'll carry the load with you. And if you've never experienced that, what, what is keeping you today from, from giving up control? You know, you, you can be a Christ follower and then try to take back control and it's like a tug of war goes on. It's like, no, I want to do it my way again. And you're really His. You're Christ. You belong to Christ. You've come to Him. But you're, you're doing this tug of war. And so <clears throat> you and I, we have to actually put the yoke on moment by moment. Because every time I kind of detach and start pulling forward in my own strength and power and doing my own thing, my stress, stress just shoots through the roof. So when I just kind of settle down and like reconnect through prayer or through fellowship with Christ, get into His Word, my stress level just goes down. So this yoke is really a symbol, first, of partnership, but also it's a symbol of, of control. Farmers would use the, the yoke to really guide and control their animals. When they're yoked together, the farmer could lead them. They could, they could be controlled by their master. And so when I'm yoked with Christ, what's happening is I'm moving together with him at the same pace and in the same direction. We need that. We need direction. We need a pace setter. Because this applies to every area of our life. We need direction and pace setting in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our studies, in our decision making, in our in our finances. And, and so if you come to Jesus and you yield to Him, then God gives you, He guides you through His Spirit to live in step with Him. He teaches you how to live in step with Him and live at paces with Him. And the truth of the matter is you're going to be yoked to something or to someone. Some people yoke themselves to their careers or their jobs or they yoke themselves to the desire to have more. Just, I've got to have more. Or some, it's, it's, they yoke themselves to sin that they just can't in their own power stop doing. And we keep trying to just control this area of our life. And Jesus says, why don't you take off your yoke and wear my yoke? And in this next verse, in Psalm, or in uh, Matthew 11, verse 30, he describes, he says, his yoke is actually easy. He says, my yoke is easy. And it's not the way we would define the word easy in, in like the easy button. In America, in the original Greek, this has to do with being perfectly fit. That's the idea of the Greek word, perfectly fit. He knows what you need. He knows how to lead you forward. And so again, have you come to him and really asked him to be in control? The last part of his invitation here, it's this, it's to learn to trust him. So Matthew 11, verse 29, the second part. Learn from me, 
says to the crowds, Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus modeled how to live while on earth as our example. He came to earth as God in the flesh. He loved people deeply. He loved people who were difficult to work with, <laughs> who, who, who were difficult to bear with. Some of the people he interacted with were troubled. Some were difficult. Some were really teachable. Some were stubborn. He dealt with small crowds of people, sometimes just a few people, sometimes a dozen people, sometimes a multitude of people. Jesus was under constant pressure as he carried out his mission, but he trusted his Father's plan. He trusted the Father's plan. And he sets this example of how to trust in God's plan. The plan for Jesus' life was that he would be an offering. After loving and serving and pouring out his life for people, people would turn on him and he would be tortured and killed, crucified. And he did that all for us. And he died for us to pay the penalty of our sin and our rebellion so that we could be forgiven and have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. But he didn't just die. The Scripture says and Jesus came back to life. He showed himself to his followers on many occasions. Lots of people saw him alive. And when you choose to come to Him and give Him control of your life, He forgives you, He removes your sin, and He brings the power to break free from guilt, from shame. But there's really a learning to rest in Him that goes on. There's a learning that is not easy for us as Americans because we're busy people. We're busy parents, busy churchgoers, busy students. And so it's really hard for us to experience this deep, Rest for our souls that he's offering to people. And when I think of rest, I mean, I don't know what you think of when you think of rest. Some of you are thinking about rest right now. It's like, I'm going to take a nap today later on. You know, I think of pillows. It's got to be the just right pillow, though. I don't like the wrong pillow. I think of vacations. I think of, when I think of rest, I think of being caught up at work. Like, just get caught up. Or caught up at the house with the yard work. Or just you know, like being out of, you know, just being out of debt. Or if I could just be right in my relationships with everybody at one time. You know, all at one time, just be right with people. But here's the problem. I've had those things at points and still sometimes I'm not able to rest on the inside. Because the rest is closely tied to an idea called trust. Rest and trust are connected. I want you to think for a moment as we wrap up about God's people, the Israelites. If you know the story of uh, the history of the Israelites, at one point they find themselves in Egypt. Just a few families. And all of a sudden they, they multiply and multiply. And all of a sudden there's millions of people enslaved in Egypt. And they're being ruled uh, by Pharaoh, and, and God raises up a man named Moses to deliver his people. He goes to Pharaoh, let my people, God says, let my people go. He doesn't want to let them go, and they go back and forth, and you can read about that in the book of Exodus. And, and eventually God releases all of these people from bondage and captivity, and he leads them to the place called the Promised Land. And he brings them to the edge of the Promised Land, and you know what word is often used to describe what they were going to experience in the Promised Land? You know what the word is? You can say it if you know it. It's rest. You'll, you'll experience rest in this land. 
And the, the writer, the New Testament writer of Hebrews, he actually wrote that if the Israelites would have gone into the promised land by faith and trusted God, they would have entered God's rest. God was telling them, look, this land right here is yours. He, he spelled out the boundaries and the parameters where it's going to be. He said, you can take the land. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. Instead of trusting God, it says that they sent spies into the land to, to kind of scope it out. And the spies reported to the people and to leaders, there's, there's giants in the land. They got weapons. They're, they're numerous. We're scared. And so what happened was the Israelites gave into unbelief. They gave into unbelief. God's way required faith. And they needed to learn to trust Him rather than relying on what they could see with their own eyes. They needed to learn to trust Him and rest in Him. And as they entered the promised land eventually, do you know, you know, Joshua the leader leads them in after Moses into the promised land. Do you know what they had to do to go into the land? They actually had to fight battle after battle against the people who were living in the land. In their land. In the promised land. Now, does fighting sound like rest to you? I mean, not just like, like hand fighting. I mean, this is, this is bloodshed. This is war. This is, this is a fight. That doesn't sound like rest, but you know what it was. Because God said, look, you go into the land. I've given, I've given this to you. It's because the battle belonged to the Lord. God told them, I will fight your battles for you. And, and he did. He did. You can read about that. Read about it in the book of Joshua. God's saying, look, I'll take care of it. Rest in me. Trust me. Now, God's rest is not an American idea. Rest can come to us even in the midst of the battles of life, knowing that God is there with us. He is able to help us, and we're trusting Him to see, to see it through and to walk with us. This is knowing that He is able, and if you know that and experience that, then that's called resting in Him. And what this means is this, is that you can have battles all around your life right now. There can be battles going off all over the place. You can have a a lack of sleep right now. You can have four kids and be pregnant right now. You can have unexpected bills show up in your life. You, You can be sick. You can be dying. You can be grieving right now. And you can still experience rest in your soul through Jesus. That's this invitation that he's giving to you. And I imagine some of you, you're ready for that rest. That sounds really good. And you need to take some of these next steps. And so you can trust Jesus with your life. And if you do, you'll find forgiveness for your sin and rest for your soul. Look at these next steps. The first one we just left blank. My next step today is to, I would just say, what is God saying to you this morning? Jot that down. What's, what's the one point where he just seems to be uh, leading you or prompting you to, to respond to him in something? Write that down for yourself. Make note of that. I'm just going to give you a moment to consider that. Maybe, maybe take one of the aspects of this invitation and think through where that fits. And then the last step, take a look up here on the screen. It just says, for the first time, come to Jesus. 
for the first time, if you've never, so that would be just for those of you that have never done this before, for the first time, come to Jesus and trust Him with my whole life. Trust you with my whole life. I'd like to lead you through a prayer this morning to respond in, in just a moment. So if, you've, if you are at a point where you've gotten more and more clarity, you've been coming around, or you have, you, you have an understanding now of what God has made available to you, the relationship God wants you to have with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, it's clear in your mind, but you've never actually responded to His invitation, I want to just lead you in a prayer that you can agree with me. And, and, and in your heart, just respond right now. And what that prayer would be, God, I'm giving you control. I'm becoming a Christian this morning. I'm ready to respond to you. Just agree in your heart or pray this silently. So let's bow our heads all together. We can just bow our heads and and you can join with me. If you've never prayed and you're ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ, you you can pray. Father, we... I I believe in you. God, I believe that you're real. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin and to rise again, that he's alive. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I've I've rebelled, I've gone my own way in life, but today I agree to turn away from my life of sin. I agree to, to shift from leading my own life and I want to go your way. I want to repent and turn around and start going your way in life. And I, I want to make you the Lord. I'm giving you control of my life. I've been leading now. I want you to lead my life. Lord Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my life. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from your way of living. And I know that will mean change. And I know you'll show me those steps along the way of what, what that will look like as you as you guide me through your yoke, Lord, as you guide me in a new way. And I, I, I willingly trust you as my Lord. And I receive this free gift, not because I earn it, not because I deserve it, but because you love me so much to make this available through sending your son to die for me. I, I don't deserve that, but Jesus, uh, I invite you to come into my life and lead me. I thank you for saving me and being my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.